appreciate you taking the time out to come on to this podcast, Optimize Your Body. So thank you very much. Um, how, how are you doing today anyway, then? So good. Yeah, it's a good day here in Sydney and bright, beautiful. It's good. beautiful, isn't it? But um, obviously, I don't really, I've never met you, so I've known you for like five minutes, right? So do you feel really awkward right now? <laughs> I thought I would. I'm like, oh, who's a stranger? No, no, it's good to have you here. All good. Yeah. That's great. Um, so yeah, I was just going to see if you could um, just mention to the listeners or give the listeners a bit more of an insight into your background yeah. and your story, if you don't mind. Yeah. So I am a dietitian and a nutritionist. I've been doing this for about ooh, six or seven years now. But, you know, I, I used to really struggle with food. So back when I was probably around five, I think it's the first time I realized that I was bigger than that some of the other girls in ballet class. And then by the time I got to when I was 10, then I started dieting. So I would basically steal my mom's calorie counter and try and count calories and, and restrict how much I was eating. My, I, had two, I have two older brothers, so it was always oh, about right. trying to... I couldn't keep up with them. I had to try and reduce my portions and you know be the girl and eat what girls are meant to eat. And, um, but I was so hungry. I remember being hungry all the time as a kid. Um, because I was constantly trying to look a certain way. So really, I just were, exercised a lot more. I ate a little bit less. Um, and it didn't take long before I ended up binge eating. Mm. So the binge eating caught me by surprise. It's nothing I ever spoke about with anyone. I was binge eating for 10 years without ever anyone telling me what it was or me feeling like I was completely alone in it. Mm-hmm. So I would restrict all day come home from school, binge in the afternoon when no one was home or, you know, sneak food wherever I could. And it got to this point where I was just terrible. I was desperate to lose weight. So I just kept gaining weight Mm. and I felt so out of control. And I think, you know, had you looked at me on the street, you would have thought that's someone who doesn't care. Mm. And yet the opposite was so true. I was someone who was so obsessed, so dedicated to losing weight and eating well. And yet it felt like my body was kind of failing me. So that, that was a really interesting, there was a turning point when I got to 21, I just graduated as a dietitian. Um, the common advice at the time was to eat less, here's a meal plan, go on a diet, and I thought, you know what, this, this is bullshit, I'm yeah. not doing this, there's no way that I'm going to tell people what to eat, when to eat it, it's yeah. not going to work, it never worked for me. No. So I decided I need to stop dieting, I thought I'm not going to keep gaining more weight if I start dieting, if stop dieting. I, I, you know, I was already 20 kilograms over what I was meant to be at that point. And what point was this? How old were you roughly? When I'm you 21. Okay. 21 at this point. Just it's graduated. It's a very tender age, that, isn't it? You know? Tender age. 21, young girl living in Sydney. You know, it's like, <laughs> oof, pressure's on. Yeah, so, but I, I, you know, I knew that something had to give. I couldn't keep going like this. I was like, what do I have to lose? So, at that point, I was like, listen, I'm losing the battle. I just need to stop dieting completely. Stop dieting. Gave it up and started doing something called intuitive eating, which is you know listening to your hunger, eat when you're hungry, stop when you're full. As simple as that. Mm-hmm. And for me, going from all these rules like don't have carbs after a certain time and eat breakfast and have six more meals a day to keep your metabolism going, going from all of that stuff to just eat when you're hungry was mind-blowingly simple. And it was the start of where I am now, which yeah. is lost 20 kilograms over the last five years. Wow. So what you're gonna know is that's really slow weight loss. It is. You know, it's not like, if I hopped on the scale every single day and tried to weigh that weight loss, I'd have gotten so disappointed because I wouldn't have seen the scale moving. Mm-hmm. But because I stopped trying to lose weight and I just started focusing on being healthy, it happened and here I am. And it's not something I, I don't, nowadays I, you know, I don't worry about the number on the scale mm-hmm. or whatever size pants I'm wearing, it's all good. Exactly. And now I'm so much happier and healthier and you know I don't go to bed at night worrying about what I ate yeah. it's like not a thought that's it I don't obsess about what's my next meal I don't mm. think about food as much as everyone thinks I should you know yeah food's just about pleasure for me and yeah. I eat healthy because it makes me feel good not yeah. because um, I want to lose weight or look good right? that's it. on the other hand when you said pleasure a lot of people tend to eat for, for the mouth pleasure right mm. for the emotions obviously the emotional attachment is completely normal for us to be attached to food right it's a survival uh, mechanism but what I've learned is not really like, I don't think about it. Like you said, then I don't really think about, you know, I need food, I need food, because I know I could go days, weeks without food, right? But that's what I've learned from like intermittent fasting and those tools I've brought in along the way. Um, but it's just eating when you're hungry, like you said. So when you get to a level where you're eating intuitively, 
um, because we have these built-in signals in our bodies, right, which tell us when we need food, you know, and it's all built into us. But the thing is, like, our brains are being kind of hijacked, right, because, you know, you go to the supermarket, for example, I've said this on, on numerous podcasts, but you go to the supermarket and, like, 90% of the stuff in there is processed in one way or another, isn't it? Or it's just bad, for example, meats and stuff like that, it's bad quality, um, you know, unless you can get really good quality grass-fed meat from, you know, a, a, a source you trust. Or any, that goes, goes, goes for any food, isn't it? even vegetables and stuff, you just really don't know where you're getting. But where I was going with that is most of us have been into the habit of eating foods which are processed, essentially. But most people, most of us don't really realize we're doing it. And we don't know because our brains are kind of tuned into, or like I said, almost like hijacked. We kind of, the signals are just being conflicted, so we don't know. So most people, like I come across, for example, um, they, a lot of people actually think they're eating healthy. And then, like I mentioned to you then, off air, um, I sometimes get people to track what they're having, um, just so I can see what's going in and out and make them more self-aware. And the second they start realizing like how much sugar they're having, how much hidden sugar is in certain foods, and not to mention artificial sweeteners as well, um, which I have had really bad to, like basically let's go back about two or three years, I used to take loads of supplements. Yeah. Um, on that note, do you take any supplements? Like any, no. No, all no, whole foods? Nothing. Same. There we are. I'm glad you said that. Cool, man. Cool. Spot on that one. Awesome. No, but um, yeah, I used to promote supplements and stuff when I wasn't really educated. And um, I used to promote it to people as well. Like, you know, have, I, like well, this is one I just really didn't know what I was doing. Um, have this, protein bar, have that. Make sure you hit enough protein and stuff like that. I was completely brainwashed. Um, and, protein you know, obsessed. Really? Yeah, protein obsessed. Like it's some sort of magic... Like yeah. macronutrient or something, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? It's crazy, so yeah. Yeah, I, what you're saying is so spot on. I feel like from a really early age, you're programmed to be obsessed with food, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you go to a birthday party and it's you get to celebrate with food. You have, um, you go to a funeral when you're older and everyone mourns and they <laughs> share food. You catch up with friends, you go for breakfast, you go for coffee, you go for lunch. Your entire life, our entire social lives are based around food, let alone, as you said, you go to the supermarket and you're inundated. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So unless you're conscious and you're going, I want to eat healthy, you, you're kind of, if you go along with the flow, you're not going to eat healthy. Exactly. And I think this is the problem we have. We kind of go, how do we find the balance between, hey, how do I not get obsessed with trying to manage every single gram of sugar that's going mm. in my body, but at the same time have freedom and flexibility with what I'm eating so that I can be happy and and. And, and this is a challenge. This is, the, this is help to me. It's just like that boundary between the mm-hmm. obsession and the the free flow, exactly. the intuition, as you said. For sure, yeah. And you being um, obviously, you know, the, as knowledgeable as you are, and the, the level you've got to now from from the journey you've been on and what you've experienced in the past, and the fact that obviously you're a dietitian. Are there any particular like? I know everyone's completely different, and there's so many um, individual variances, right, from person to person, but. Is there any kind of methods or any kind of staple staple actions you have in place to help people who, because um, you kind of specialize in a sense with, uh, you know, and help people who struggle with eating disorders and mm. binge and kind of thing. Mm. Is there anything you have in place which um, you find really effective in yeah. terms of helping people? Yeah, there's a few key things here, right? So number one, if your environment is set up to make you eat healthy, you're gonna eat healthy. Like if, if I have my countertop right now, if I walk past and I've got my chocolate here, it doesn't matter how good my willpower is, I'm still gonna go wanna eat it. It's mm-hmm. right in front of me. Human so, nature, isn't it? Yeah. Human nature. So if my kitchen is helping me be healthy, then that's the most important thing. There's so many people go, oh, you know, I struggle to eat healthy, and then it gets to like 10 p.m. and all I wanna do is eat lots of chocolate. Hmm. Well, the chocolate's obviously in your kitchen, and it's really easily accessible, and that's how you're probably eating it. So first thing you can do is just kind of create a really healthy, kitchen environment so meal prep I'm not obsessive about meal prep you gotta know like I'll just roast like two to three trays of veggies because if I come home and I'm hungry mm. there's no way I'm gonna make myself something from scratch no. like I'm just not, not I'm really. hungry like exactly. I want at that point I want something quick yeah and cereal and bread those options are quick yeah so there's but they're not absolutely no well <laughs> then they're not really no. um so I gotta go for like more things like veggies and stuff that's yeah, just so. like ready, it's cooked, prepped, ready to go, yum, it's right there. And exactly. suddenly it becomes delicious. So yeah. just sorting through your kitchen and going, all right, what do I actually binge on? There's some trigger food. So a lot of the things that I mentioned, so cereal, bread, peanut butter, three primary Peanut butter, I didn't see that one coming. Yeah, yeah that's a massive binge that's food. Huge, yeah, I don't buy it anymore. What do all those foods have in common is that they're all healthy. Yeah. They're not, you know, they're not junk food. Yeah. But 
Everyone overeats them. <laughs> Everyone overeats them because they're delicious, they're quick, they, they give you a very high dose of satisfaction as soon as you have them. Mm. So the challenge there is to go, do I have to cut out bread, cereals, and peanut butter for my life? No, I do say no there, you don't have to do that. But at the time being, if you are currently binge eating a lot, just become really mindful of those foods. Yeah. If you have a thing with peanut butter, don't buy peanut butter for the house for the time being, but when you're at a cafe, go and order peanut butter. Like mm. actively go and get that food. Like if you love bread, go get a sandwich for lunch yeah. rather than getting it at home. It doesn't mean that you're not allowed to have it. You absolutely need to give yourself permission to have it, mm. but you don't need to facilitate a binge. Mm. So number one thing is like create a really healthy environment. Number two thing, don't eat in front of the TV. It's like the simplest thing, right? Like this is number one thing, but everyone does it. Wow, I never thought of that one. So what happens is when you eat in front of the TV, you, you program your body to get hungry when you sit down and watch your favorite TV show. So you might be 10 minutes into your show and suddenly your brain triggers and goes, oh, it's time to eat. Mm. I normally always eat when we I We associate TV. it with that, don't we? Yeah, exactly. like the cinema, isn't it? Totally. The cinema's like, a nightmare for people, isn't that's it? That's exactly it. Yeah. It's like Pavlov's dogs, have you heard about that? Mm, kind of. Russian scientist, 1800s, did this study. Basically found that he, he'd have, he had all these dogs, like he, too many dogs, let's be honest. But he'd basically ring a bell before he fed the dogs. So the dogs would come running, they know it's lunch, it's dinner time. Soon enough, what would happen is he measured the dogs and he'd ring the bell and there wouldn't be any food, no smells or anything. The dogs would start salivating, which is the first step of digestion. Mm. So already the dogs had associated the sound of the bell meant that it was food time. And this is basically what you do when you watch TV. You turn on the TV, now your body's going ding, 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 food time. So it's very hard to stop eating when you are watching TV because as long as you're watching TV, that, that bell is ringing telling you to eat and eat. And you're mindless because you're watching something else, you're disconnected, and it can be a very numbing experience. Yeah. So often with emotional eating, what we're trying to do is numb out whatever's happening, right? Yeah. Like, this is my safe zone, I'll deal with all of that other shit later, but here I am right now, exactly. So it's a really simple thing, it's not, it's not easy. Like, I don't think stopping eating when you're watching TV is easy, yeah. but it's a decision. So... Yeah, I, it's, it's such a simple one that everyone can do if you're an emotional eater, just suss that out. That's a great tip. Yeah, no, and I can relate to the thing you were saying about vegetables. That is my number one go-to, as I said earlier. Preparing the veg, having enough there, a variety of different veg, primarily green veg, but a mixture, and they're in the fridge, fridge ready. They've got to be ready. Exactly, got to be ready. Yeah, well, sure. one of the things I was just doing when I was like struggling with my weight and binge eating is I would create a list of the things I wasn't allowed to eat, mm -hmm. right? And so all that would happen is I'd obsess about them. Okay, can't eat this, can't eat that, can't eat this. My Glad list was massive. It was like never ending. And then I couldn't stop thinking about these things that yeah, I wanted obsessed. to eat. Yeah. Nowadays what I do is something called crowding. So instead of thinking about what I can't eat, it's about what can I eat, right? The question changes. So what, what, can I, what should I be filling up on? And suddenly I go, all right, I need to get five serves of veg a day. When you start to focus on getting five serves of veg a day, you naturally fill up on more veggies and you just crowd out the other stuff. Mm. So it's not even a matter of, oh, I'm not allowed to have bread, which you are, but it's a matter of, oh, I have to have five mm. serves of veggies. And if I go for that option, I'm not going to get there. Mm. Therefore, I'll go for the veggies. Naturally, you're just going to get a little bit healthier and not have that push-pull, obsession, restriction kind of mentality. So, mean, yeah. yeah. That's it. Um, Simple. Gosh, that was amazing. Um, but yeah, that's it with, with the vegetables as well. Obviously, high in fiber, all like an abundance of different nutrients, right? So satiety, I mean, you're actually, like you said, you're not going to be thinking about it. If you're giving yourself, saying to yourself, even if, for example, I say to some clients as a starting point, to start off having just two servings of vegetables every day. That's, that's all I get to change with their nutrition. Nothing else whatsoever. Just do that. And just by doing that is a game changer when they're consistent with that because they find they're not craving yeah. these other foods as much. Then, so. Health is about consistency. It's not yeah. about doing something perfect but only maintaining that for a week. Mm. Like that's pointless. If you can like just add one more serve of veggies or one more one more serve of fruit, like you're nailing it. Mm. So this is like it's interesting about fiber. So I'm super pro fiber because I don't think we get enough fiber in our diet. So veggies are super high in fiber, fruit, the skin, and legumes and whole grains are loaded with fiber. So. A muesli bar and you've got a brownie and they both have the exact same number of calories right but the muesli bar is loaded with fiber right like let's say it's got it's just it's got heaps when you eat the muesli bar versus when you eat the brownie your body will actually absorb a quarter less calories 
just because you had a process, the body had a process through all the fiber. Mm -hmm. So that's something that's not actually, you know, when you look at calories, that's mm -hmm. never on the calories. They give you the total calories, not yep. the actual absorbable cal calories. Mm -hmm. So I think people, you know, they miss out on fiber. Fiber is just this kind of... Mm, I don't use the word magical, yeah, but yeah. like it's pretty, give you more energy, isn't it? pretty yeah. damn cool. Yeah, yeah exactly. sustained energy, just kind of help you feel full. For sure. Help you feel good, keep your gut healthy. When your gut's healthy, your brain feels better, yeah. you have more energy. It's a win-win. I know, and there's so many different types of fiber as well, isn't there? So it's like, there's a variety of different foods you can have which contain fiber. But um, yeah, that's interesting because maybe that's somewhere along the line, you know, my success rate is sometimes not very good because... Obviously, you sometimes forget the level you've got to, right? So you were saying then, for example, someone who's eating um, rubbish food, so they're, they're having like brownies and they're having processed junk food most days, would you sometimes give them an alternative and would you sometimes promote? Because I know obviously, for me and you, like a, a muesli bar, we know it's not ideal, right? Because yeah. it's still going to be processed one way or another and it's going to be um, like a list of ingredients in there, right? But you will use alternatives like that as a starting point for people, yeah? So yeah. you'll do that to help the rest them forward. I think you've got to be a realist, right? Yeah, like, yeah, for sure. like if, I could give you some like amazing idea of what you should be eating, but if it's not going to happen, then what's the point? Exactly. So I'm always happy to kind of go, all right, well, if you are actually going to do this, this is a stepping stone. The biggest problem people have when it comes to nutrition is trying to do too much too soon, right? So you don't need to start here and get here, but you just need to take one more step. And if it means you go for a music bar instead of a brownie, mm -hmm. you're winning. Exactly. You're yeah. winning a life. Progress. Progress. It's amazing. And that's Definitely. that's good. And then when you get to a point where you want to reassess and you want to take it to the next level, take it to the next level. Yeah. But you know, you don't need to go from brownie to green smoothie overnight. Mm. You know. That's it, exactly, yeah. yeah. And it's just to make it sustainable, isn't it? It's not like you said then, it's not it's not realistic if you're gonna go from one extreme to another straight away. And this is, I think, this is one of the major issues in the fitness and, and nutrition industry. Um, so that's why, you know, I come to interview you because a like-minded person who's uh, got all these qualifications that I haven't got either. So uh, you, you're a bit of a step ahead, but I want to learn from you a bit as well. I wish I brought my notepad actually, but there we go. No, but um, yeah, I was just saying about, you know, it's always, you know, extremes, right? So with nutrition, fitness, people go onto social media, for example, they're looking for advice, looking for help, and they're just bombarded all this information um, and most of it is not you know it's just not it's for people who are looking to benefit their pockets a lot of the time they're not really at the level you're at for example where they have been through the journey you've been on they're eating intuitively and they're promoting this supplement that supplement and people are confused and people are struggling you know and they'll go they'll get like a program for example like a training program from someone which is just like you know, balls to wall type, high intensity, and then they're going to be on one of these diet plans, and at the same time, right? So they've gone from being like super, you know, completely off the rails to boom. Let's say, for example, CrossFit. I'm not a massive fan, right? But I'm just going to I'm just going to bring it up. CrossFit's an example. You know, it's based on intensity. Yeah. Let's hammer you. Yeah. Let's really go to town on you. You know, obviously, you're going to burn calories. You're going to probably lose body fat, and then they're on a strict diet. And but for most, like I'm going to say, as much as 90, 95 percent of people. Um, it's just not sustainable. And they end up rebounding at some point because they've gone, um, they've applied too much stress to their body and their body's just gone, nah, man, this is too much. Too much and then too they've gone back into their own patterns, yeah. Yeah, you're at a really high risk of injury as well at that point, mm -hmm. yeah, because you haven't done any exercise and now suddenly you're pummeling yourself. Yeah. And the, the biggest thing I see is the biggest issue is when people make healthy food really untasty. Mm -hmm. You know, like sad salads? Yeah. Like, I have no time for sad salad salads. salads, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like when you're having broccoli and chicken for every meal I've been and, there I've and it makes you sad right I know like, it does like you've got a tear like yeah. screaming down your face as you're eating it right <laughs> yeah like you can't help you are as sad as your meal is yeah. it is like so so for me when people make healthy eating that boring and sad you're gonna feel boring and sad and it's just not sustainable you can do that for a few weeks you can do that for a few months but at some point you're gonna you're gonna crack it 100%. so for me the reason that I eat salads is not because I'm so enamored with how delicious vegetables are. Yeah, they're very yummy. But I eat them because of things like a salad dressing. So yeah. if, if you have to compromise a little and have a salad dressing mm -hmm. and it's going to make it taste freaking amazing, exactly. yes. do it. Yeah, that's it. You know, it's, it's these little things that are going to make you more consistent. So rather than going for perfection or this really high intensity, bring it down a notch and just aim for consistency. And then as you kind of get further and further along, you can kind of raise your level of consistency. Mm -hmm. But what we're not aiming for is, you know, is if it ticks all the boxes yeah. and it makes you unhappy, that's not help. Exactly. You know, that's, that's, that's you've got to find, you've got to enjoy the food that you eat. And if you're not, then it doesn't matter if you're having, you know, the most healthy food. It's not good for you. Yeah, exactly. 
And I'm, I was a sucker for that before as well, because obviously uh, all the bodybuilding and stuff, competitions I've done, I've done like eight competitions. And when I first started out, I knew pretty much nothing about nutrition. And then, you know, to get shredded, as we say, for shows, um, I would be, I had like an old old school bodybuilder give me a diet plan. And to be fair, like he, when it comes to bodybuilders, he was one of the more knowledgeable ones, but it was still extremely restrictive, right? So it was like, you know, like you said then, chicken and broccoli every meal, pretty much, right? Maybe a bit of sweet potato and some salmon if I'm lucky, right? And that was it. And for, for like maybe, I don't know, eight weeks leading up to a show, that is all I would eat because that's all he knew from, from the competitions he's done or whatever. How'd um, you feel? How'd you feel eating that? Horrific. Yeah, um, terrible. And it was just, like you said then, like obviously when you're prepping for a competition, it's at a different level to someone who's just looking to maybe lose a bit of body fat and get healthy. But at the same time, it's exactly the same concept, right? It's restrictive eating, as, as you've uh, brushed over many times. And I looked at your article earlier, so uh, we'll, we'll come to that a bit more later. But yeah, restrictive eating. So chicken and broccoli every meal, eating the same foods. Um, it's a, The world's a very sad, lonely, horrible place, right, when you're doing that. Um, so... As you said, you can't then, go out with friends. Like, no, you, you can't. can't because you can't tick the boxes when no, you're out with friends. For sure. And then if you do ruin it, you feel guilty and mm. shit, and then you feel like you need to try and counteract what you've just eaten mm. by being even more good. Yeah. And then you get yourself into the cycle of the binge eating. So exactly. that is exactly how these, the really the cause of binge eating mm. is dieting Definitely. and these restrictions, and then you just gotta you spiral out of control. I mean, at the beginning you binge maybe once a, once a week. Yeah, yeah. And then that becomes every like few days, and then Definitely. every day, then it's multiple times a day. Exactly. And when you get to that point, you need to stop and think. All right, I'm binging all the time. Yeah. Now. Something needs to stop. That's it. You know, almost if you need to reduce the intensity so that you stop binging, great, you win. Yeah. You're That's winning. It. You're you know. Win. Yeah. So. I'm, I'm all about making that little compromise. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head, and that, that's what it was for me. It was like, so even when I, this is the problem, see, so I know, you know how popular it is now, um, the uh, bodybuilder mold, you know, yeah. bikini models yeah. and men's physique Huge. and whatnot. Huge. Every Tom, Dick and Harry is having a go at it now, right? <laughs> so um, hats off to them, but the only issue is the aftermath. So I've prepped a few people for comps and stuff now, and uh, I've, I've got like one girl, for example, now I'm prepping, but I'm making sure that after the competition, just as important, if not more important, than the actual competition, what you have in place afterwards, right? So, luckily, she's already like at a high level, but we, like, I've met so many people and myself. So, you said then, like, one, uh, for example, it'll be binge eating for one day in a week. So, this is what happened, right? So, I finished a competition, that's all said and done now, right? The two competitions in a row, I've come out of it, and then the following week after, it's been like a write-off. So I've been eating crap pretty much every day. The week after that, then it'd be like, right, well, I'm back on it now. Yeah. You know, like I'm back on the yeah, diet. Yeah, I don't I'm even like that word the anymore. Diet. Language. Yeah, the yeah. bandwagon. Even the word diet. It has it? the word die in it. So I think you... Yeah, die. Yeah, there we are. That's a good point, that is, actually. Um, so yeah, it would be like, my this this is the pattern. It would be Monday to Thursday, um, eating like restrictive, not realizing at the time, thinking I was eating healthy because yeah. I was having like chicken, sweet potato, and broccoli again. Right, <laughs> yourself it's healthy. Yes, right? Where is exactly. it mine? Your obsession is no, not healthy. Okay, go exactly. on. And, and then basically, what would happen then is like I would just about get to like a Friday. Yeah. I guess like a Friday yeah. afternoon, I would eat like one rubbish thing, and that will spiral into like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and I'm talking like dangerous binge eating where I'd be eating like Domino's, Ben Jerry, like you name the worst kind of foods out there. And I was going at it. And there's no association point. So when you actually hit into binge eating, so it's unlike, unlike when you have a healthy relationship with food, if you eat a lot of food, you get to a point where you go, oh, I feel physically ill. Yes. I feel sick. When you're in binge eating mode, so what you need to understand is it is like a primal switch that your brain goes into where it's like, I'm protecting you right now. You need as much calories as you can get because I don't trust you. I don't trust that you can feed yourself right now. Therefore, it basically switches off your, your hormones that tell you that you've had enough to eat. Yeah, like leptin. Is that, is that yeah, leptin? exactly. So leptin gets like muted. So you can actually just keep eating and keep eating and keep eating. Insane amounts of food that you would never be able to eat mm. if you actually had a healthy relationship with food. So the binges can be perpetual, like mm. non-stop, yeah, relentless, grazing all day, and then and then you go to sleep at night and you hate yourself for doing it, and you wake up again, and the cycle continues. Cycle continues. Yeah. Like, when does it get a break? I know it's destruction, isn't it, mentally yeah. and physically? Yeah. 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 So and then this this is so common. This is like so is. normal. And the thing is, no one talks about. It. You know, eating, binge eating is the the most common. Um, eating disorder. So it's about 48% of people have binge eating disorder, about 3% have anorexia. Okay, so 48% of people, like, is there any kind of, like, age, you mean just in general in, like, Australia? Or? Oh, of people who have eating disorders. Right, it's okay. just like, that's, that's the ratio of people who have eating disorders. Right, 48%. And you know how often you hear about people who have anorexia, right? Yeah, like, yeah, this is the eating disorder we need to be careful of. Well, yeah. actually, binge eating disorder is like, and most people don't know they have it. No. Most people have no idea. Because so attached. 
to be yeah. diagnosable with binge eating disorder, it's like you just need to be binging once a week mm. for like a few months. Yeah. I know so many people who would, who would already tick that box without even realizing that they're you oh, know, exactly. have an eating disorder. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, I know loads of people as well who uh, have the same, like, it's actually, it's it's almost like a bit, I would school as far to say it's an epidemic now because um, the self-awareness just isn't, obviously we're in an obesity epidemic anyway, we're the worst state we've ever been in, right? Yeah. And so we're, in a, we're in a dieting epidemic, right? Yeah. So we have these two worlds that are pushing against each other, the result is going to be binge eating. Exactly. And, and dieting do, doesn't point. actually make you lose weight. If you correlate when dieting was invented, right, with obesity statistics they pretty much follow a very similar curve upwards. So it's almost like the minute we started telling people what to eat, when to eat it, we all started gaining weight. Because just psychologically, we're not programmed to be able to do it. Which is why you need to be intuitive eating. It's like the only way. It's how people manage their weight before all this. It's the only way that we are going to be able to manage our weights. Exactly. I'm, oh, we're so on the same page here because that is my message as well and that is my goal. And actually, it's like it's almost like a dream now. My dream is to build this online business and help hundreds of thousands of people. That's what I want to do. Right. Get to the level that I'm at now, which is an amazing place to be, the same place you're at now, where it's like it's no longer any stress involved with eating whatsoever. So good. You know? Do you know I never thought I'd get here? Like, I yeah. remember being like so deep and dark in it oh, and yeah, going, I, I just want to be normal around food. Yeah. Like, honestly, I just I envy those people who can like get halfway through dessert and go, no, I'm good. Mm. I'm, 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 I've had enough. Oh, no, no, I read on your article. Yeah. Because you used to go out, it's, I don't know whether this is true or not, but you used to go out with friends or whatever, and you'd have like go out and have a meal, you'd all have desserts, you would say no to the dessert, yeah. and then you would go home and cook the town totally. yourself, right? Totally, right? Like, I, like, I'd be good, right? Like, I'd yeah. go out for dinner, I'd get the salad, I'd be good, they'd eat everything, I'd feel like jealous, but at the same time, I feel like so good. I'd yeah. be like, ooh, look how good and restricted and controlled yes. I am. Thank you. You eat the crap food, I'll be good. Yeah, look how much and then I like <laughs> I'd be there as well. Demolish the kitchen and go, oh, yeah. wow, that just happened. And that's just the that's that's the the cycle because there's so much shame around binging, right? Like, yeah, exactly. And and if you are not the right weight, then you know everyone loves to see you being good. Mm. You know, like no one. It's it's like it's almost like inspirational, isn't it? But it's not though. It's not all, all no. about that, is it? It's about like you said, eating intuitively. Totally. We yeah. live in a world where it's more okay to have an eating disorder than it is to have be overweight. That's, that's another valid, valid point, actually. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's always endorsed, right? Yeah. Like, like, you know, if you're overweight, maybe you should get an eating disorder. That's yeah. the message we get sold all the time. Yeah, and it's ridiculous. Whilst you're saying that, I mean, do you ever get? I get this a lot. It's like I still get people um, say to me, "How do you do it? Like, how do you eat that kind of food?" You know, it's like it's like I'm doing it because yeah. I'm really trying to be <laughs> yeah. strict. Like, yeah. like it's a constant battle. Like it used to be. Like it used to be like that. Yeah. It used to be like, oh, I'm just get these meals down me now. I look forward to the weekend, and then I, I, I wouldn't be. Like you, like you just said then, I was, I was in that category where I had an eating disorder basically, right? And that 48% of people who binge. And it would get to the weekend and I would just deny it all week. I would forget about the weekend before. And then it would just happen again. And this went on for like a year or two. Yeah, How, I don't know if I have done any long-term damage, maybe, but, um, but without realizing, without being aware enough. Um, so I'm curious, right? So here yeah. you go, you get to a point where you go, what is happening? This is, this is kind of like for your aha moment. And now you're here, right? Like you've climbed this, this kind of slope. So you get this point where you are intuitively eating. You mm. don't have to think about what you're doing. Mm. It comes from you. It's a Before choice. Before you go into that, sorry, just explain sure. quickly what intuitive eating is. Because I, I try and explain it to people, but they don't quite get it all the time. Yeah, cool. So basically, when you were born, when you were a baby, and you cried because you were hungry, your body was basically trying to manage your weight for you automatically. So you cry when you're hungry, and once you've had enough food, you're done. You can't actually force feed a toddler or a baby because they just like, they've had enough. So intuitive eating is just basically getting back to your appetite, getting back to your hunger cues. When your body says hungry, that's when you should be eating. Yeah. When your body tells you you've had enough food, that's when you stop eating. Okay, connecting to the signals again, really, that we that's were born exactly with it. and that were the survival uh, components really for us, yeah. So I mean, that's the only reason we have appetite. Yeah, the exactly. only reason we have survive. appetite is to manage our weight yes. and to give us enough energy. That's exactly. it. And yet we look externally to a diet to tell us how many times to eat, what we should be eating. You don't need to do any of that. You just need to check in because your appetite is going to tell you. Yeah, exactly. So if you have a big meal, you're going to feel really full. Yeah, for sure. Right? And that's, that's, that's your body's cue going, okay, maybe I don't need to eat for a while. Mm. So instead of eating at the next meal time because you think you should, just wait until you next get hungry. That mm. might only be like in, you know, several hours after when you thought you needed to eat. Mm. So it's about disconnecting from the rules okay. and tuning back into your body. Cool. Um, I was just going to say on that note then, um, I'll forget about that now because I don't want, I wanted to go on to that point you were at now where you said um, 
you're climbing, you've got to that point now, you've, you've climbed, climbed the mountain. The question's for you, how did you get from this like moment where you're obsessive yep. to being intuitive? It's a very, very slow process. Um, yes. and, and it just all of a sudden it all clicks. And I'll tell you one of the main, uh, the main ways I've done it is just by applying myself and actually learning uh, reading in between the lines, not listening to the bodybuilder world, because I could see most of these people were screwed up, right? And I was like, something's not right there. I'm going to stop with this six to eight meals a day. So I used to think, right? I used to have like at least six meals a day. I used to have like, <laughs> it's, it's, it makes me laugh looking back. I used to have like, even when I wasn't competing, yeah. like I, if I went anywhere, I couldn't go anywhere without my meals. Yeah. Right? Carry so your have, stuff around yeah, with you. With an ice bag, I'd pay yeah. like two, you know, like $300 for, which is just pointless really. But I used to have it and I used to take my meals with me. And if I didn't eat my meals, I would literally think that muscle would fall off me. So it's obviously like, um, it, there's a few different elements to this, right? It's like a body image thing as well, right? So, so when I was younger, I was always skinny. Uh, and then when I started lifting weights, I built muscle. And then um, obviously, it's like a, you know, like a machine, uh, what's, the, what's the word, like a male, alpha male kind of thing, isn't it? You know, you want to be muscular, you top want to dog. be, yeah, exactly, top dog, you want to be attracted to the opposite sex and all the rest of it. But yeah, for me, it was a slow process. Um, it was when I started learning and just re really tuning into one particular podcast called uh, Mind Pump. So I'm going to shout them out now. And I just I just started eating, just just basically just varying my food more. That was the first step, actually, looking back. I never actually had that question, varying my food, rotating my food more. Yeah, and I started realizing, actually, I feel really good when I have not just broccoli, for example, yes. right? I used to just eat broccoli and maybe some asparagus. I would have maybe about 10, 10 to 15 different types of veg, right, um, in, in a week. And I just started feeling amazing. And then after, uh, uh, literally, it seemed like a few weeks, I started just, without thinking about it, just intuitively prepping more veg, vegetables. Cool. That was the game changer. It sounds really silly and people, everyone knows vegetables are good for you, but until you actually consist, like you said, how important consistency is, eating them uh, consistently just changes the game for you. But then it was, um, it was just a gradual thing and then I started, um, like I said, rotating my food, uh, my foods more. And then I started tracking um, and that helped me a lot. So it can be, it can be hit and miss, as you said, because some people get obsessed with the numbers, but for me, it wasn't so much about the calories. It was just about, I wanted to know how much fiber I was having and protein and stuff. So I wanted to try and see, I wanted to have less protein, right? Because I was having a dangerous amount of protein. And I, I learned from the Mind Pump guys that that's not healthy. I was having like three times the amount I needed. Yeah. You can imagine I'm having like six meals a day. You know, there's, there's, there's a lump of meat in every single, you know, there's like chicken or there's some red meat or whatever in every single meal. So I was, and, and protein supplements as well. Overloaded. So overloaded. And that was one of the main, last, last thing I'm going to say, one of the most transformative things was cutting out supplements. Mm. I was sponsored, sponsored by this company. I don't know. You know, you get these athletes saying it's sponsored, you get a free type of protein. Like, you're not, come on. It's not sponsored. It's not sponsored is it? Yeah, and you get yeah. a box of protein bars. Come on. Um, I used to have like, um, and it's, there's nothing more processed than a protein shake right now. Nothing nowadays. more processed than a protein shake. You know what I mean? What is it? What like, is it? What is it? I, I don't know. know what that is. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You're like, uh, what's the flavor? It's like some crazy raspberry ripple flavor, and it's like it's derived from a cow, right? It's milk, and then it tastes like. Epic, you know. So. Yes, and all the, all the artificial sweeteners, all the natural sweeteners, even that send your brain into craving all the sugars. Yeah, and the gut as well. It alters your gut flora, right? Either oh way, even if it's... you become so gassy, your gut's all over the place. It doesn't make you feel good. No. So I'm so glad that you got to that point because I think there is an obsession with protein in the health world, and I think you know when you actually look at how much protein you need, you don't need nearly as much protein no. as you think you do. You it's all, a lot of it's all, it's all uh, corruption, really. It's just for people that make money, and they like the protein. It's a multi-billion pound industry. Yeah, right? four dollars for a protein bar. Yeah, yeah it's exactly. Money-making business. That's it, don't care. When you can get a you know a banana for a dollar, mm. you know why why would you not? You exactly. Know? Yeah, that makes so sense. So it just totally, you know, I think that's why people think that healthy eating is really expensive as well. Mm. So all right, getting off track, but that's fascinating to me the way that you did it because what I hear and how I can relate to my story is how gradually and slowly I needed to take yeah, that process. Same to me, yeah. To go from obsession to getting into a healthy mindset, you need to pick just one thing that you change mm. and start working from there not trying to change everything at the same time mm. so for me it was like I'm not I'm just I'm just gonna listen to my hunger and mm. I'm gonna eat what I feel like eating and that for me was amazing you mm. know I realized is that I actually didn't want to eat chocolate all the time no you know like that's it I, as soon as I gave myself the choice yeah. then suddenly I was like relieved to hear that my body wanted to eat healthy exactly. and it and then and then slowly I began to crave eating healthy foods mm. but only when you give yourself the permission and you let go mm. does that happen yeah, so long as you exactly. tell yourself you have to, it'll always feel, it's a bit like being a rebellious child. You never really want to do it, do you? Exactly. And I was going to say, and I say rebellious child, that's a good, that's a good point. Um, but yeah, and that's what, what you were saying earlier. It's like when you say to yourself, um, you know, you can't have something as well. I find there's different uh, type, kinds, kinds of like vocabulary you can use, right? Yeah. 
um, which I find quite effective. It's like as soon as you say to yourself, you can't have something. Now, for me, there's something in me is where I can't. I don't know what it is. Something stand deep inside of me where if I can't do something, I really want to do it. Right. So there's nothing worse than someone trying to clip my wings or saying I can't do something. Yeah. You know. Trying to take my freedom away Just from me. Wait. Yeah, exactly. That's it. I think I think most of that probably comes from all the shows I've done, actually, because obviously you know, and all the different photo shoots I've done. But yeah, um, I've lost where I was going with that now. So I'm going to go back to the other point I had in my head. Um, forget about that. Um, connected with. The, oh, sorry. Go on. No, what was yeah. I actually saying? Well, I just wanted to tell because you mentioned before about the social media. You're, yeah. And right, you're following these people who are getting endorsed by protein yes, supplements, yes. and and a lot of people you're following at the time were themselves disordered in their relationship with mm -hmm. food. So yeah, yeah. you're basically just following along this rabbit hole. That's right. And I think that's Cheap. just about, let's talk about body image and talk about getting sucked in on social mm. media and how you need to be so vigilant about who you follow. Like, honestly, who you allow into your social media feed is who you allow to change your brain 100%. and to change who you are. Absolutely. And if you're scrolling and all you see and like, do a, do a test right now. Go on your like Instagram and, and scroll and see what are the first ten images that come up, because those that that screenshot is going to be what you start to believe and who you become. Exactly. So if it's people who are just ripped, if it's people who are obsessively counting macros yeah. and nutrients, you are going to become like that. Exactly. So for me, it's like do a cult. Get really ferocious about your social media space. That is your territory. You can control what goes into your brain and make that into like the most positive space that you can. Mm. For me, as like as a female, if I scroll on social media and all I see is women who um, are models who are so beautiful um, and not eating, then that's that's obviously what I'm going to want to do. But exactly. instead, if I fill my feed with stuff that actually makes me be more balanced and healthier and feel good about myself, mm. I'm gonna I'm gonna wake up in the morning and I'm gonna feel good about myself. Yeah, exactly. That makes sense. And, and is it really necessary, for example, for anyone who's following someone um, when it comes to nutrition, like a dietitian like yourself and someone who's, um, you know, healthy, basically just a healthy individual, you've, you've created balance in your life. You know, is it really necessary to follow like another five or let's just say another 10, 20, sometimes like hundreds of these other people? So you're getting all this, you're being like inundated with all this information coming from all different angles and there's not many like, I'm going to big you up a bit here because there's not many real people out there like yourself. I mean who are just like, this is what it is, this is my journey, right? There's nothing like, you know, there's nothing sugar-coated about it, really. It's just, you know, make, make the, try and make the food more enjoyable to eat, as you said earlier. But is it really, what, where I was going with that is, is it really necessary, and if you follow any, say, fitness models, for example, or you follow anyone who's um, really lean and you, you admire their physique, is it really necessary for you to follow 50 to 100 or hundreds of these insta-famous models? Is it really necessary? You know, you're, you're literally, it's just going to be flooded. Your feed is flooded with all these images of people, right? And like you said then, the majority of them, are, I know because I've met lots of them, right? Yes. They're not healthy they're individuals. Not healthy. They're actually, they're quite the opposite, yeah. you know? So it's And likewise, I mean, I, I'm, I'm more in the, the health nutrition space. Mm. You know, so many of the influences out there do not have healthy relationships with food and mm. they're the ones who have the most influence and mm. it's ridiculous i don't think it's about not subscribing to too many of them but checking out the ratio of your feed right like if the ratio of your feed is you're scrolling and all you're seeing is this one message you, you need to make a change there yeah. you need to get back in control of it and Definitely. also being super clear on how long you spend on social media because yeah, sure. it is going to suck you it's in it's going to suck you right spit in you out oh, exactly. four hours later oh for sure I've even done a, I've done a podcast episode on this there's actually a really good book I forgot about on the last, uh, the last episode I couldn't remember the name of the book it's called Irresistible cool. I mean, it's amazing okay. it just tells you by this day and age that the average person spends like at least 2.5 hours a day on social media yes. at least at least and most of the time they're just scrolling and clicking so have they're you not... heard of Moments app? Mo yes Are you? that's what they told that's where I found out about the app Scary. I know I'm too afraid to use it no you've got to you've got to bite the bullet I, I did it I was three and a half hours and I was like I am making a change that is yeah. my life so much of my life is being sucked on social sucked media and I'm letting my happiness be dictated by how perfect everyone else's life is. Definitely, yeah. So now I'm very clear. My phone does not sleep in my bed. Oh. My phone sleeps somewhere else. I have my own alarm clock. That's and the then I, have, I exercise and then I check social media. I'm yeah. not checking in social media before I've actually taken care of myself first. Exactly, yeah. And that makes sense. That's a good way to do it. And yeah. then I've got to be very clear about how long I spend on it. Yeah, but like sure. The vortex will suck you in. Yeah, definitely. I think I need to be more structured with that because I've got yeah, my record on my phone. I don't, this is not like social media. Six hours, over six hours in a day. 
With, what would you mean? That like on my phone. In one day and having clients as well. So that's pretty much every single minute outside of my clients. I've been on my phone. And yeah, okay, I've been doing some work. I've been doing nowhere near six hours. Not even a fraction of that. So what was I doing? I couldn't even work out what I was doing on there. And I think I picked my phone up like 130 times or something. That was at my worst. And then I was, and then I cut it down then. So I monitored it and I went down to like, I don't know, two or three hours eventually. And then I just like couldn't, didn't want to look at it. But I should go back on there and look at it every day now. Go to so Moments, get that, get that um, app. Get moment app. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so I, I have clinical anxiety. So I got diagnosed around the point when I was 21. And maybe this is what, why I had a bit of a moment where I was like, what is happening? Clinical anxiety where I get really anxious about a lot of things. So for me, working on social media, dealing with all these emails that keep coming in, I need to be really clear about taking care of myself and making exercise a priority. So for me, exercise was always something I did to punish myself for eating, Yes. you know, for not looking good enough and, and to try and change what I looked like so that I looked, you know, good enough, more attractive. So for all the wrong reasons, things, isn't it? All the wrong reasons. Yeah. Um, and now, honestly, I only have one workout goal. And my only workout goal is to enjoy every exercise. If I'm not enjoying it, that is not healthy to me. That's a waste. So it can be high intensity, it can be low intensity, but it's about giving myself permission of sometimes I just want to go for a walk, I'm just going to go for a walk. Mm-hmm. If I just want to go to yoga, dance, whatever. Mm. Sometimes I want to go for a run. But Do what makes you feel good, isn't it? That's one of the most important things. Do what makes you feel good. And especially yeah. by having anxiety, to have that healthy relationship with exercise is crucial because oh, yeah. that is my drug. Exercise is my drug. It's, yeah. it's what I need to keep me stable, to sure. keep me happy. So I need a dose of it. So I've got to enjoy it. Yeah. So, I mean, anxiety is the biggest mental health issue for young people. So, like, 25% of young people have anxiety really? or depression. So, it's yeah. just massive. Um, and, yeah. Exactly. And it's, it's so common now, like, especially in guys, it's like one in three. Well, I think the stats back home are like one in three guys. And three. Yeah, yeah one in three. Make, that makes sense to me. And yeah. guys as well, guys, when guys get it, it gets a whole lot worse. Um, you know, guys get depression, it's so much more severe when mm. girls get it because they're not talking about it and no one's talking about it making it sound like it's normal mm. when everyone actually does, everyone's struggling and, mm. and dealing with the same issues. Definitely. We've got to make a few changes. For sure. And the thing is, like, it's almost like an experiment. Just going to go back to social media one more time yeah. because it's a serious issue. Yeah. So they don't even know the long-term effect, right, of all this stuff. And, you know, you're, you're releasing dopamine. Every time you go on your phone to look through your feed or whatever, you're actually getting a, a rush of dopamine every time yeah. you do it. So it's just like a drug, right? So, um, social comparisons, right? So, I think there's a saying, um, comparisons, comparison is the thief of all joy, yeah. right? And I, I do it myself. Sometimes I compare myself to people, um, and I get sucked into it, and I'm like comparing. It's not always about physique, it's just whatever it could be. It could be anything, like business, whatever, and you're comparing, you're like, you get sucked into that negative mindset, like, why, why, why am I at that level? Yeah. Why, why haven't I got there? And then you start feeling sorry for yourself, right? Um, but people on a daily basis, they don't, they're not aware get the app moment again right but they're not aware they're doing it right it's the social comparison so that's got to be that's got to be um i can't think of a long word i was trying to think of a clever word there that's got to be making it worse that's got to be making it worse though with the anxiety and the mental health it can't be making it better it's it's the biggest aggravator really it's it's number one thing you're logging on you're seeing how much better everyone's life is that Mm. is so anxiety inducing Mm. along with things like email notifications that constant pinging reminding you you are not enough right and this is the feeling we have, is that we just go, I'm not enough. Compared to everyone else, everyone else has got this. So this kind of makes me think of things like body image, right? So I think there's this misconception when it comes to having, how do I get, how do I love my body? Or how do I even think my body's okay, right? Like, there's this misconception that I have to change what my body looks like so that I like it. That if I get more muscles, if I get more toned, if I lean up, then I'm going to like my body. That's like, that's bullshit, to be yeah. honest. All that happens when you get to that point is you find one more thing that you don't like about your body, exactly. right? At your peak, you're like most ripped, as you said. Yeah. Were you ever like, I have made it, I am perfect. No. As I am, I'm great. Definitely no. not. That, that's the message that you literally run on the same lines here, because I say this on pretty much every episode. That that is what it was for me. It was all about the physique and the aesthetics, mm-hmm. right? So until you shift um, the reasons why, and that, that takes a little bit of time, um, but I was focused on how I looked, right? So it was like, it was it was a serious like body dysmorphia issue I had, right? Because no, like you said, then I would get shredded, I would be like in this incredible shape, but it still wasn't enough. There were still areas I wanted to work on. I was still comparing myself to others because when you do competitions, obviously you're on stage, you're being critiqued uh, against other people nonstop, right? Comparison. So it's comparisons, exactly, like at its finest. But then you're following these people as well, then, right? So you're looking and you're like, oh my god, like he looks, and then you just get into that mindset. 
So it's until until I got to the point, and like you said, it's, it's not. It doesn't happen overnight. Until I got to the point where I was eating intuitively, and then I was in tune, listening to my body in terms of what training I need to do. Now that's an art as well now, because like like you said about intensity. For example, like I know today, I, I, I wanted to do okay, my routine right now. Um, entails me today to do like a big intense session but I know I'm a little bit tired and my body's not up to it so I most likely won't do it it's still a battle but that's just an example that like listen to my body like it's, it's going to do me more harm than good really going to the gym hammering myself or doing a big session when my body's not up to it I'm better off just doing some mobility you know this is that's a just compromise it's a compromise. compromise that you yes. make to Short be more term. consistent yeah exactly yeah I mean, what we were saying before about the body image thing is yeah. that you were ripped, right? You were, you were like peak yeah, like physical format and it still yeah. wasn't enough. No. Never. So it's, it's body, liking your body isn't about changing what you look like, but yeah. it's about changing your mind. Because until you accept that you are enough as you are in your current format, mm. it doesn't matter how much weight you lose or what you look like, it'll never be enough. Never be enough. So it's actually a decision that you make. You know, it's not, it's not a body change. It's like you can decide right now. I'm sick of not being okay with my body. I'm sick of always having an issue. Mm. And I don't want to spend the rest of my life hating my body. You know, I, I, have, I have clients who are seven years old who, who, who have never loved their body, have always hated what they look like at no point. And they look at photos now of when they were like young and they go, I looked amazing. Mm. Why couldn't I see it? Wow. You know, so wouldn't it be good if we just like stop right now and go, listen, I'm not going to be perfect. My body yeah. isn't meant to be perfect. It's flawed, but it's, it's exactly. okay and it's, it's worthy of being accepted just as it is right now. In fact, like yeah, I would say like imperfection is perfection, right? Yeah. Because you know like the ego, I've done an episode on this before, like the ego is so powerful, right? It can be your best friend or your worst enemy. Yeah. So it always wants everything to be impeccable. You're always gonna get that, right? It's normal because it's, it's keeping you alive, right? Yeah. But nothing's ever gonna be perfect. You're never gonna get your perfect physique, right? Um, but it's like now, for example, I'm, I'm pretty much in the shape of my life now, but I'm not thinking about it. It's just because I'm looking after my body. Mm. So the more optimal, I'm appreciating yeah. Well, and the more the more optimal optimal level, sorry, the the better state of health you can get in mentally and physically, then the better you're going to look. It's yeah. as simple as that. Yeah, but it all aligns. It all aligns. But if if you can just make that like not the top priority, you know, when you get to the point where that's not your top priority, that's when things start falling into place. When you when you like your body, when you love your body, you want to exercise. Yes. Because you do it for your body, not because you hate your body, not because your body's not good enough. That always feels like a chore, I have to exercise. Mm. But when you actually genuinely like your body, you want to take care of it. Definitely. So almost, you know, it sounds ridiculous, but accepting your body, accepting it in its imperfection mm. is actually going to help you be healthier. For sure. And do those things and do it for the right reasons and do it to feel good. And then naturally you're going to look good. Mm. So a lot of people go, I'm going to look good and then I'm going to feel good. No, yeah. do it the other way around. Yes. I didn't, I've never set out to lose 20 kilograms. I set out to feel good. And this is where I'm at. Yeah, it's a and side effect. It's a side effect. Definitely, it's just like yeah. a nice to have, but it's definitely not the be all and end all. I can't, you can't judge your happiness based on what you look like. No, for sure. Gonna fail. Not at all. Wow, we've covered a lot of stuff. Here. <laughs> I'm gonna have to have a look at my little uh, notes. Here. I think we've, I think we've covered it all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't even know how long we've been going for. But just one or two more questions, right? <laughs> right. Um, but I was just gonna say, um, look, there's one thing I wanted to ask you then that you mentioned, but maybe it'll come back to me about. This is a, a bit off topic, but do you know cooking food? I'm, I'm just intrigued myself. Um, when you cook food, yeah. um, what's the best way, like, have you got any tips in terms of, do you ever think about, this is probably like not, it's not important, but the, be the best way to cook food, for example. Food's right? always important. Okay? Yeah, it is always important. Yeah, no, I know. It is a priority. It is always a priority, but it's not one of the big rocks in terms of like how you cook it, right? It's just, well, I, I suppose it is important, but just for, for, for a start, getting vegetables in and having more healthy food is the most important part, right? Not so much how you cook it, but any tips in terms of like, like to retain the nutrients and stuff for like cooking food? Or? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, you know, you're gonna have things like, boiling is probably gonna be the worst way because you're gonna lose all your nutrients, they're gonna leach out, they're gonna go into the water. Um, and so you're kinda, you know, it's an issue because a lot of old people typically boil things these days. Um, so that's not ideal. Personally, the way I like to cook is the way that's gonna get more flavor. So if my vegetables taste good, I'm more incentivized to actually eat them, then I'm gonna get more bulk, which means I'm gonna get more nutrients. So it's a slightly different way of looking at it, but the best way to cook for the most nutrients is the way you enjoy it the most. So if you like it on the barbecue, barbecue. If you like it roasted, roast it. Mm -hmm. So that is, whatever you can do more consistently slash more enjoyably is going to win overall. There we go. Because you're just going to keep cons consistently, consistently doing it. Yeah, exactly. And salad dressing actually helps you absorb nutrients. So yeah. all of your eggs, so like vinegar, vinegar type stuff, is it like... Wait, 
So there yep. are some nutrients which are um, fat soluble, yep. A, D, E, and K, That's right, yeah. uh, and you can't absorb them if you don't have fat in your diet. So when you're having a salad dressing, it has a lot of those A, D, E, and K nutrients, having the oil is actually going to mean that your body can absorb them. Yep. So if you're just going for a vinegar, you might be selling yourself short because your body can't even access those nutrients. Okay. So it's an argument for why going and adding in a little bit of fat isn't a bad thing. Yeah. Adding in, you know, especially things like extra virgin olive oil that's mm. been shown to have so many good benefits. Yeah, exactly. I mean, look at the Mediterranean. That was actually one of my questions. I might as well, I might as well get into it now. The Mediterranean paradox, right? So obviously they, most of them have like, you know, a glass or two of red wine every day with their meals, right? This is a daily thing. They have heaps of olive oil, heaps of fats and oils, right? Fish, yep. lots of vegetables, that yep. goes without saying. Um, but what's really fascinating is they haven't got um, a chronic illness epidemic. Like, yep. But a lot of them are actually overweight. They've got still got quite a, a lot of people out there overweight, but they don't have the diabetes to go with it like we do here. And um, there's probably numerous factors which come into that. Obviously, it's the lifestyle and environment and all the other things you're doing when you're not eating. But when it comes to actually what you're putting into your body, I mean, it's really interesting because when, because because if you notice, they kind of they'll sit down. It's it's more it's a really social thing. They yeah. sit down, they're relaxed, you know. Whereas in Westernized countries like you know Australia, where I'm from, the UK, everything's always rushed, we're always on the move, and apparently it's related to the fact that Westernized countries, when we're eating and we're rushing and we're on the go, we have, we're, we're high stress levels, right? So we've got cortisol in the system at the same time as insulin, and that is a contributor to the uh, to the diabetes and stuff. So totally dulls the leptin, gets the ghrelin fired up. All these things happen. So have you heard of blue zones? Yes, I have. Right. Okay. Cool. So just for them, yeah. all the folks playing at home, um, blue zones are where people live to be a hundred at a much higher rate than anywhere else in the world. There's one in Okinawa, in Japan. And in Sardinia, the, is it Sardinia? Sardinia? Yeah, yeah, Sardinia. yeah, 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 yeah. So basically they, they look, they assess all, I think it's nine, seven or nine, I actually don't remember, but it's all these different places and they found common threads. So what are the, all these places doing in common that can show us what can we learn from them? A, they're always having, as you said, the community aspect. So having that engagement with people and actually communicating and not being on social media while you're eating your food, eating your food yeah, exactly. is number one. That's it. Number rest and digest, isn't it? You know? Rest and digest yeah. is exactly it. Number two is eating so much more vegetables than the rest of us. And they actually have relatively, not low protein diets, but none of them are having supplements. Mm. They're eating fish. They're eating a little bit of meat. Meat pretty infrequently, probably like once a month, once a fortnight. Mm. That's pretty infrequently for us. They are having alcohol because they're relaxed and they're enjoying. Mm. I've said enjoyment for them. For sure, yeah. But they're getting heaps of fruit, heaps of veggies. Yeah. And the one common food that they all share is legumes. Legumes, yeah. So for me, I think this is like the superfood that no one eats nearly enough of. Yeah, yeah, Fiber, bulking, it is going to fill you up. It is super cheap. It is so underrated. It's got protein in it. It's got fiber in it. Dietitians don't even know how to categorize it because mm. it's, is it a vegetable or is it a grain? Yeah, yeah. Is it a, what is it? Just nutrient dense. It's yeah. just Packed amazing. Yeah. Totally. But, but I like, have you ever come across anything? Because I've looked into like um, legumes and stuff like that. Sometimes, well, it's, it's becoming quite common for people to have like immune reactions and have like, because yeah. um, there's a certain kind of compound in there or something. Yeah, so there's some people who have like IBS symptoms to it. So there's, there's two things categorized. Some people just cannot tolerate it. They get gut pain. It feels terribly uncomfortable. But what happens when you do have legumes in your diet and you haven't been eating them is you do produce more gas. This is just a natural byproduct of your body um, getting healthier. This is, okay. this is like a fermentation process that's happening. Yeah. After a few weeks of eating more legumes, your body will get used to it and you won't produce the gas like you previously had. Um, and you'll notice as well, it doesn't smell. It's not like offensive or anything. So it's just about getting into the routine of doing it. Now, if you find that you do get all those like really negative symptoms, like you're in pain and it's just not right for you, who cares if everyone eats it who lives to be 100? If it doesn't yeah. work for your body, it doesn't work for your body. Exactly, yeah. The number one rule when it comes to nutrition is to listen to your body. Mm. Like, it doesn't matter if this works for me and, you know, it worked for him. Mm. It doesn't work for you, you cut it out. So, mm. give it a go. Be a bit patient with it and just yeah. kind of go with a smaller amount. Cans are going to be a little bit, canned legumes are going to be a bit easier to tolerate than mm -hmm. having the dried stuff. Yeah. Um, and just start with a small dose every, you know, about three times a week. Okay. And just see how you go. And if it yeah. works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. So you're talking about like beans and all these kind of things, yeah? Like beans, lentils. chickpeas, lentils, yeah. all bean mix. You know, your own yeah. kind of baked beans, black beans when you're doing some Mexican kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, of course, yeah. It's just, it's Iron as well, right? Is it like there's yeah. there's an abundance of nutrients, but um, non-heme iron. So yeah, it's yeah. less absorbable than a red meat, but it is definitely still there. Cool. Um, but yeah, main thing you're going to be getting there is fiber. So you're okay. going to notice that your digestion speeds up, your metabolism speeds up, you feel full. Yeah. Uh, 
I can say so many. I could go on for all the ideas. And you said about meat then, right? Literally, this we're going to cap it off now, right? Yes. Meat. Um, I eat red meat probably about two, three times a week or something, cool. yeah? And it makes me feel good, right? Yeah. So if you can get good quality, like it has to be good quality grass-fed, yeah. you know? Um, and obviously, you're talking about fats and stuff earlier. There's certain types of fats and iron and stuff, yeah? Mm-hmm. Red meat and all the rest of it. Again, I could go on forever. Um, but it is kind of nutrient-dense and, and like it is good for you, right? So, I mean, what I'm trying to get at is how much meat do you have, for example, in yeah. terms of like red meat and just meat in general? Yeah, so it's a great question. Um, like everything, you know, some, you know, broccoli and chicken could be really good for you, but if you have it every single day, not good for you. Same thing with red meat. Mm. It's nutrient-dense, it's good for you, but having way too much of it, definitely not good yeah, for you. Like anything, to be honest, I personally work on, I try to have one, I try only eat meat once a week, once a day. So maybe it's lunch or dinner, but then if it's if it's dinner, then it's a vegetarian thing for lunch. Okay. As an example, so, you know, so once a day, so regardless meat, fish, once, anything, just once a day. Okay. Once a day, yeah. yeah. Cool. And then what I do is I try and work on a hundred gram serving size. Okay. Which is tiny. It's yeah. really small. Yeah. So. That is tiny. Yeah. yeah. For me, it's that's about raw weight. Yeah, that's raw, raw weight. weight. Wow. So okay. that's about stretching that protein yeah, and yeah. getting that and eating less meat. So for me, I'll eat red meat twice. A week. Yeah. I'll do the recipe: chicken, fish, um, and other options. But it's about pulling down that serving size when I That's do it. have it. Okay. Um, it's not, and and that works for me. For me, I get enough iron by doing that. If you need slightly more, you need slightly more. I just think there's an overconsumption of meat in general. Mm. You save so much money. You know, the plus the environmental aspects of eating a whole lot less meat. It's mm. very trendy these days. Mm. You need a little bit of meat, you don't need that much meat. Just like the centenarians, the people who live to be 100, that's about how much meat they're having. Yeah, They're probably eating less meat than that, actually. They're not eating very much at all. That's what I mean. Yeah. It's an evolution thing, isn't it? Like, we wouldn't always, like, if you think about, like, back in the day, you know, 70, let's say 100,000 years ago, we wouldn't have the luxury of having meat when we wanted it. Meat would be like, Every meat, day. Yeah. Oh, meat would be like, oh, godsend, wouldn't it? Once a month, you, you, yeah. lucky. you have to hunt an animal, you have to expend all that energy to kill it, right? I know, sorry to the vegetarians out there, but you know what I mean? It's, it's like a luxury, isn't it? Absolutely. So. And today, it's like an everyday thing, and we're just so frivolous with how we treat animal, like, product as well. Yeah. When you eat animal, be conscious of it. I, I personally don't think you need to cut it out completely. But just like what they show is getting a lot of variety, it's really beneficial. Being mindful of your meat consumption, as you said, making good choices when you can. This is not hard, but um, this is just one more step in the process. So if you're ready to take it, take the next step. If not, you know, maybe awesome. try adding the leggings in. That's great. <laughs> and um, yeah, so just what I was going to ask, and the last thing, that was three, um, three like tips you have for the listeners, or maybe to be more specific, is there is there anything like that you have really kind of struggle with? Um, in terms of giving people advice and stuff because this, so, we're, we're living in a world now, right, where there's more, like I said, there's more information available to mm. us than there ever has been, right? Yeah. So we're almost like snowed under with it. So um, is there anything, any any um, obstacles and challenges you faced trying to get your message across to people? Yeah, I find the whole superfood thing really quite tough because I feel like people get distracted by, oh, I should eat this superfood, yet they're not getting the basics right. Mm. Like if you're not having five serves of veggies a day, but you want to add acai into your life, like that's such a waste of money mm. and such a waste of your willpower. Your willpower, you only have so much in a day before you're going to use it all up. Exactly. Use it all up and trying to eat a acai for breakfast, and by dinner time, you're like face-planted into your kitchen, yeah. right? Like, prioritize what matters, and don't get distracted by things like chia and all that other kind of stuff yeah, until you're ready for it. Yeah. So, like, that's, like, my biggest challenge. People yeah. go, oh, I really want to be healthy. That's not the solution. Fruit and veg. That's it. Um, a whole there's a whole lot of um, people who think that they know exactly how to do nutrition and that there's one way to do nutrition and if it's not my way then it's not right. Mm. That's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. Like yeah. like as I said, like we're all this bio individuality, we're all so different. So if anyone you're following on social media claims that they know what they're talking about and this is the only way to do it, like they are a fraud, unfollow, dislike, because honestly there's so many ways to be healthy and and you just don't need to just do one way. So, yeah, that's probably like the two things that probably like the two biggest barriers to getting nutrition information across is... It's yeah. all the fads out there. Fads. Yeah, all well, the, it's tribes, isn't it? It's like tribes of people who all get together. Oh. And it's like this or nothing, isn't it? It's the same, and that's, that's one of the main issues, isn't it? It's like all different camps, right? CrossFit, F45, vegans. Why does it have to be like that? Why can't it just yeah. be fun? You know? Like what works like you just learn what works for you. You have to learn yourself. I mean that's the thing to a certain extent. You have to kind of apply yourself 
and, and question everything, isn't it? It's like a political part. It's like political parties. Yeah. Everyone's kind of got these really passionate viewpoints. Yeah. Why can't we all just uh, agree to? I know. Agree. Focus on health. That's yeah. it. Yeah. We're all doing the same thing, aren't we? There we are. That's <laughs> it. Spot on. Awesome. Um, and where can the listeners find you anyway, uh, Lindy? Um, check me out. I guess you can Google the nude nutritionist, which is what I'm known as. But make sure you've got really clear. You know, don't image search that. Just. <laughs> yeah, don't put it on images. Yeah, that might be bad for you, or it might be good for you, either way. But That's I'm a bit hit and miss though, isn't it? Yeah, I'm not sure what you might find on that this day. Yeah. Um, it's lindycohen.com, um, nude underscore nutritionist on Instagram, Facebook, cool. the nude nutritionist, um, all lots of recipes. I share lots of healthy recipes and, and general image tips for body image and anxiety and eating well and finding the balance without the obsession. Awesome. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Um, I wish I brought my notepad. I really do now. I wish I could have made some notes. I was well, learning quite a bit. I, I we'll go for a walk. We'll chat. We'll chat it out. Let's do it. Let's <laughs> do it. I'll put it on my phone. No, but um, yeah, don't forget to give me a um, five-star rating and review on iTunes. I'll send you out five stars. Um, I'll send you out a, a free training program, a free abdominal training program. And um, yeah, that's it in a nutshell. That's all wrapped up then. Bye. Thanks again. Bye-bye.